Hello and welcome to Grid Talk. My name is George Harrison and today we're here to preview the 2023 Brazilian Grand Prix. This is episode number 346. Joining me today we have Formula Talks, Fia Richmond. Hi! The man behind AHGP, Aaron Harper. Good evening. And co-host of the Paddock Pals podcast, it's Warren Shaw. How's it going everyone? Going very well, thank you. But before we get into the episode itself, where we must first thank our sponsors for the episode, Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and lots of more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to play your place your wages, including live betting from your favorite casino and card games available to play right now from your phone. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. And today, unfortunately, Warren, we are going to start with the American team. We're going to start with Haas, who have recently dropped to the bottom of the Constructors' Championship after Alpha Tauri's recent rise in Mexico. We've hypothesized about it for quite some time now we thought that maybe a house would drop down to the bottom but now it's happened and with their current form at the moment it's hard to see how they're going to pick themselves up they're four points behind both of the alpha teams is there any hope heading into brazil which is a race that shockingly 12 months ago kevin magnuson actually managed to get pole for yeah i don't think they're going to get pole this year that's unless it rains again they get the same situation but even then i don't think so no i don't think they're a lot of hope going on there. And I would also say that they are probably the, if you rank American teams, they'd be at the bottom of the American list ranking. I'd say Williams might now, might people more are in on them than us here in the States, just based on what I saw at the race in Austin. But no, they're just, they don't do anything well. I'm sorry. I've been saying, we've been saying it for, I've been saying it for a while that Gunter, like everybody loves the character that Gunter is, but as a team principal, he just is not a good team principal. This is, you thought going into last year when they tanked 2021, all right, that's fine. They come back with a strong, a strongly decent start in 2022 to the card. No developments throughout the season. This year, they really haven't done anything. A couple qualifying might be good here. There they've got a couple Q3 entries like Hulkenberg this week. He was fighting around the points yesterday in Mexico, but then he fell out there. They just, they got nothing. And I don't know what they can do to change it unless but they just they got a big bag of nothing and they are the team that just you forget about every weekend it's like all right oh there they are and yeah they had a tough one with magnuson crashing it looked like something broke in the car but they just they basically are irrelevant and that's something you don't want to be in any type of sports league especially formula one Yes, un- unfortunately, it's not looking too great for Haas at the moment. Um, I've, and like you said, the only time I really remember seeing them in Mexico was when Gary Magnussen was heading into the wall at 150 or so miles an hour. Thankfully, he's all right after that crash. But yeah, car failure, sending him out of that race in Mexico. Whatever Haas have got, though, they've got a little bit more than Alfa Romeo at the moment, Sofia. They were the last finishers in Mexico this week just gone. They are level on points of Alpha Tauri, but with the form of Alpha Tauri, it's, it's hard to see them them beating them in the rest of the season. I suppose the only thing they have got going for them really though is that they are ahead of Haas. But just that lack of pace, it's not getting any better. Yeah, if you look at going back to Mexico, the fact that getting both cars into Q3, but then just absolutely just drop off the pace come the actual race. 
it is a three-way battle, I think, between the house and the other Alphatari. But looking back to like last year as well, Alfa Romeo had Bottas in the points after the race. That is possible as well. And they didn't decently, I believe, even with the sprint as well for X. Obviously, it was a sprint last year as well. I say that, but actually looking at the results, they finished 13th and 14th. I think it's more with Alfa Romeo, it's... We expect them into Q2. They've not really been doing well getting out both drivers sometimes out in Q1. Obviously, again, a miracle that it was Q3 um, in Mexico. But I think a lot of their points are coming by luck from other drivers' misfortune. And that's the same as well for Haas. That's the same maybe for Alvatore. Obviously, we are seeing a resurgence with Daniel Carter. But for Alvarez to not be last, he just they need to bank on other drivers just not doing well in the first place, which is really bad. I think to say, but that's how their performance is because it's just not performing well as their own team and just having to rely on others. Yeah, I, I think you're, you're right with that. I and mean, even even going back to Qatar, where they did score some points, it was partly because of some retirements ahead of them. Um, there's not really a lot of pace in that car. Um, but surprisingly, Aaron, there is quite a bit of pace in the AlphaTauri, at least in the hands of Daniel Ricciardo. Only his second race back in Mexico, qualified P4. I'm not sure if Sergio Perez and Dan Ricardo swapped cars and just changed up the paint schemes or something, but he was on the same road as Max Verstappen at the start. And if anything, he was unlucky to finish seventh. He could have finished a lot higher up had there not been that red flag. How do you see the fortunes going into Brazil? Obviously, it's a very different circuit. Perhaps the, the Mexican circuit suited the car very well, but the signs are looking positive for them to pull out a gap between them and Alfa Romeo. Yeah, and they'll be buoyed full of confidence heading into Brazil. And it's a circuit where they've had success as Toro Rosso before uh, Pierre Gasly getting a second place, I believe it was, in 2019. So they've got some form in in historical context uh, around the Brazil circuit. I think Daniel Ricciardo is getting back to his best because he seems happier than he's ever been in that car all of a sudden. They brought some upgrades to it and it's just given him the confidence that he needs to drive the car in the way that he wants to. Something he never found when he was at McLaren. And a a happy Daniel Ricciardo is a fast Daniel Ricciardo and we saw that in Mexico. If the AlphaTauri is set up well, bear in mind they've only got one practice session to do that. If they can nail the setup this weekend for the sprint and there's definitely double points finished for Ricciardo on, on offer in terms of scoring in the sprint and in the race. Sonoda has shown flashes of speed, but he needlessly got himself tangled up with Piastri on Sunday. Brazil's a race where things tend to happen because the cars are very close. Sonoda needs to keep his nose clean and just use his natural pace. He doesn't need to be quite so aggressive. And then we we hear his frustration come out on the radio. But that's a result of him being impatient and, and just trying to get to... To, to the end point before he's made the journey, if that makes sense. So he can learn from Daniel Ricciardo, just build his weekend, build his pace. And then if they've got two drivers who are doing a good job and are on form, absolutely a possibility that they'll score with both cars in the Grand Prix. And like I just said, Brazil is a place where things happen. Yeah, last year we had a Haas on pole position. All the bookies lost money on that. 
Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely not a uh, a result that we expected there. We just was K-Mag getting the getting the pole position. It's the most K-Mag of K-Mag results, I think, as well. Just an absolute blinder once a season. Twenty, yeah, he had that pole there last year, which was just ridiculous, really. Yeah, I think it's a shame for Sonoda as well. I think he probably could have got points if he didn't crash doing that overtake. I don't know why he did that. Like you said, Aaron, probably just a bit of an experience. Real shame, but hopefully, I have a better weekend this weekend coming up. Next up, we've got Williams, Warren, and I really didn't expect them to get points in Mexico. I know there's a very long straight, which really suited the car, but there's a lot of areas that require good downforce on the car, especially at high altitude. But the Williams did well. I think I think Albon got ninth in the end. Sargent got points, obviously, in his home race in, in the US a couple of weeks ago. It's looking all right for Williams to potentially upset the order again this weekend. Yeah, I do agree with that. And I know the whole practice thing of when different teams with different engine powers up and this and that. But Alex was top three in every practice session. That It wasn't just a one-off in, in FP1. It was all three of them. And then he said in qualifying, the car felt totally different than it did in any of the practice sessions. So who knows what they did in between that to not have that great qualifying as he did. But yeah, Williams is, they are definitely, of you take the bottom four teams, I would say they have the most potential going into next year. I would buy stock and then to improve the most of them. And even Logan Sargent, I would say, he was 12th yesterday before he had the pit or DNF on the last lap because he had the fuel issue. And yeah, I know everyone's, he got the points because he got the disqualifications, but he still beat cars to get into 10th before that. And yesterday he was doing a little bit better. And I'll say, I've now decided I'm a Sargent defender. I know it's not, he has not had the great seat. He's been bad. He's been bad. But the last couple of races, he has showed some promise. He's improved on that, and I think that's what you want to do. And it's also hard for him, too, because it's been it's known that he doesn't have the same specs of the car as Albon does. And when you're seeing Albon put in all these great performances, you're like, man, Sergeant, why can't you do that? Well, he doesn't have the same car, and clearly the car that he has is, is worse than the one that Albon has. It's a little bit tougher, but Williams is all I would say. I would hope for points again this weekend. I know maybe this track doesn't suit them well, but who knows? They seem to surprise people when you don't expect them to score points, and, and they have been consistently improving. They got 26 points this year. I don't think I don't think people were expecting them to get 26 points this year. No, definitely not. Williams, you'd usually like to think they're going to improve, but this year they actually have fair play and they've been a lot better this year. And they outright beat both of the Alpines, at least in the form of Alexander Alba this weekend in Mexico. 10th and 11 for them in the last race, a sphere. It's kind of where, like I normally say, it's where you expect them to be. You just maybe hope for a little bit more. But like Aaron mentioned earlier on, Pierre Gasly, a podium sitter here in Brazil. This is a good circuit for him. So perhaps he could pull another trick out of the bag again. Definitely. Again, looking back to last year, Fernando Alonso finished fifth, Alcon finished eighth in the race. Mind you, the sprint, not very good. I think they finished 18th and 19th. Obviously, there's the high and the lows that happen with LP, which I feel like it's very regular nowadays. They have such a good run and then it just hits a wall and then has such a good run and then hits a wall. But expecting a lot, as you mentioned as well, finishing 10th and 11th, I think, again, that's where they've been standing. I think they have had some good moves over time. Obviously, as mentioned with Gasly, being on the podium, he has the skills. We've not been seeing it as much this season with some really bad mistakes on his part on some of the overtaking and kind of the battling but i think overall for how alpine has been performing it isn't unrealistic that them to do well 
this in Brazil, maybe both po- podiums, no, both points, both also the sprints and again for the actual race, because again, they need the points as well, because they're still battling these constructors as well. It's getting quite close within all the teams as well. They all have their own little mid bat- battles coming in, and obviously that's determining wind tunnel time as well and funding for next year as well. So they want to do as, bu- as much as they can. And then as well with the development as well, we need to start thinking about next year when we're going into these last couple of races. Obviously, upgrades are still taking place. Some people are still taking some PU changes as well. Um, obviously, there's been a freeze about the power units as well uh, for the development board um, going forward. So at the moment, it's just Alpine kind of needs to not put a foot wrong for these last couple of races and actually drive well and get the well-needed deserved points uh, for the rest of the season. Yeah, and on top of that as well, it's it's fairly close in the drivers' championship between Ocon and Gasly. Just eleven points between those two guys. Gasly with a decent advantage there, but obviously they'll be they'll want to come out as top dog at the end of the season, as this first season as teammates. But we'll, before I go into the team that's fifth place in the Constructors' Championship, I will mention that if you guys can head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and give us a five-star review, it would be very much appreciated. We do have a lot of reviews on there, but any support you can give us would really help us climb the rankings. And if you're one of the 72% of people who aren't yet subscribed to our YouTube channel, please consider helping us out with a like or subscribe over there. Most episodes are recorded live. This is not one of them because it's a preview show, but the qualifying review, the sprint review, the race reviews, they're all done live and not long after the event itself. Yes, fifth place in the constructors, Aston Martin, Aaron. And we were just talking uh, before we came on the show, before we started recording, I should say, that arguably, despite how good Aston Martin were at the start of this season, you could argue that compared to this time now, compared to 12 months ago, the car is worse and it just seems to be getting worse and worse. Obviously, neither of Alonso or Stroll finished in Mexico, but it didn't make any difference anyway. They were running down at the back anyway. They were behind the... I think they are even behind the Alfa Romeos for most of the race. It's a really sad turn of events for a car and a team that was the only one that was challenging Red Bull at the start of the season. It's such a fall from grace. They are so like lost in terms of the development direction. Everything they put on the car just doesn't seem to work makes the car go slower. There's a fundamental problem somewhere that they've put something on the car and whatever they're doing now might be working, but something in there is holding it back. It's that they've got a parachute as they go around the lab and it's just slowing them down and slowing them down. I'm looking at their form since the summer break, just one top five finish, which was Alonso's second place in Zandvoort in the rain. And that was probably all Fernando Alonso. I have a love-hate relationship with Fernando. Sometimes he does some things that are fantastic and I'll go, yes, he's amazing. And then he does something that makes me go, my word, you just, I I can't have any words for you at the moment that are broadcastable. It's been one of those seasons for Aston Martin where they've started really well. And we've seen it before with teams. They have a really strong start and then they just vanish. And they they don't seem to be able to pop their head above the parapet and show that there's any sort of resurgence. They might prove us wrong in in Brazil, but look, Ferrari have found their mojo in terms of developing the car, not making a mess of pit stops and strategy, and generally being all right. Mercedes are improving. Things that they put on the car are working. McLaren could just turn up and have a rocket ship anywhere, and they've got two drivers who can really do some damage. The big problem for Aston Martin has been 
Lance Stroll. It's well documented. Ironically, he was stronger at the start of the season, just after he'd broken both wrists, than he is now. And it's just all it's all a mess. And there's rumours flying around that Lawrence Stroll's going to sell the team, Fernando's going to retire, and everyone's speculating about where Lance Stroll's career is going to go, whether it's going to stay in Formula 1 or go to the hypercar programme. Everyone will have their opinion on that. But the, the crux of the matter is, right now, neither driver is able to deliver the results that Aston Martin need because it's already gone. They, they've given up on fourth place. McLaren have just sailed past them with absurd ease. And there's just seemingly no light at the end of the tunnel. You can put this up when they win in Vegas or something, just have that ready. But I don't see them really challenging even a top eight finish in Brazil. It's going to be very difficult for them this weekend. <laughs> yeah, Aston Martin will be very much be hoping for a repeat of what happened in your F1 manager save, Aaron. I believe that Lance Stroll actually managed to win the Las Vegas Grand Prix in 2023. We have a saying, in, I'm a big football manager player, and uh, we have a saying, only in FM, that's a very much an only in F1 manager thing to happen, because right now it's just not happening. And yes, Lance Stroll absolutely has been terrible this season, but when Fernando Alonso, one of, in my mind, one of the greatest Formula 1 drivers in terms of pure pace ever, say what, say what you want about him outside of the car, about him causing turmoil and tearing teams apart from the inside. You just put, in, in terms of pure pace, he's one of the fastest ever even in his 40s, and for him just to be down there at the back, again, it always seems to happen to him. It happened to him at McLaren. It happens, happens to him all the time, wherever he goes. But I don't think this is his fault. It's a really sad state of affairs. The only saving grace at the moment for them is that Alpine is so far behind, they can't catch them. But fifth place in the constructors from second early in the season, that is a huge fall from grace. It really is. And... Going the other way, which makes me very happy, uh, are McLaren up in, up in a relatively solid fourth now in the Constructors. About halfway through the Mexican Grand Prix war, and I was thinking it was not going to be a particularly good weekend for McLaren, but Lando Norris, that, I think, uh, Mike Brundle said in the commentary that he was driving like a man possessed, and absolutely, I don't know, I don't know what he had for breakfast that morning, I don't know what happened during the red flag period, but that guy was driving out of his skin to get a fifth place by the end, and the car as well is doing very well, so... Again, there could be, if they get a better qualifying, there could be a, potentially a podium on the cards from this weekend, I think. Oh, I think they're like a podium. They're in the podium running with their car every race. They have been since basically they, the summer break and even before that. Since Silverstone, really, they've been on the podium fight. Lando's run of, what, four podiums in a row ended yesterday. I will say before the race, I had some friends over there. What's your prediction? I said Lando's going to get top six, and I was just like throwing it out there and maybe it happened. And then it was actually happened. I was like, Oh, oh, look at this. What a move this was. I didn't really think it had a chance to work, but yeah, he was amazing. That car, again, we just talked about Aston Martin, how bad they've been. McLaren's had the reverse. And I know I haven't been watching Formula One as much as you guys, but I think it's pretty rare that you see a car turn into not really getting out of Q1, maybe potentially Q2, not really a Q3 threat at all. And then it could turn into that. It won a sprint race. It won a sprint race. And if the sprint race was the format, if they flipped the formats in uh, Austin, Lando would have won the sprint race. If they flipped those races around, I don't think it's very, I think it's pretty rare what they've accomplished this year, the car development. And they just opened up their new wind tunnel too. So next year they have to be, if they, if you're looking at a team to be a challenger next year, they got to be right up in the conversation. I would think and they're a challenger for podiums going the rest of the way. And it really is remarkable. It is. And I, it's exciting when you get more teams up there, 
it's always going to be exciting because as we know the season's been a little bit at least at the win for at the at top of the podium has been pretty much set in stone every week but the other fights have been good to watch and McLaren have stepped up to the table and they have delivered and again do they have the best driver pairing on the grid? They got to be one of them. They got to be close. And Argan Lewis and George probably, and Mercedes maybe is probably the is the best. But I'm not the biggest Russell fan out there. But Piastri Atlanta's got to be top, got to be top three potentially. I it's up there. I think in terms of potential, I don't think there's any doubt yeah. they've got the best. They're both so young. Piastri's what 21, Norris is 24. They've got at least another 15 years in them each after maybe 20 years with the longevity of some of the drivers these days. No, it's, it's fantastic. It, McLaren did a similar thing last season, but this plateaued after, after the second third of the season. But at the moment, they, they're just getting faster. Whatever they're doing to that car, it's working. It's really great to see, obviously. I say completely unbiased. But anyway, let's move on to uh, Ferrari next, Sophia. Again, Charles Leclerc gets pole position. Again, he doesn't convert it. It's I think that's a record run for him now. I can't, I think it was Tom Horrocks said on one of the shows recently, that guy's got 25 poles or something and five wins. He's got less wins than Sergio Perez. Now, I think a lot of that, especially this season, is down to Ferrari just setting the car up for qualifying rather than the race. But still, the drop-off is bad. And the fact that Hamilton overtook both of them in Mexico, that's a bad sign. And... Obviously, obviously, that Ferrari are gunning for that second in the constructors, but they need a very good weekend this weekend in Brazil. Yeah, it's still a running joke about the strategy calls. As you mentioned, I definitely believe that they are set up for quality because they have the pace. You can see that straight away. They've been battling in qualifying very easily, but when it comes to the actual Sunday racing, they just drop off a cliff. And partially, again, it is by setup, also by calls, what pitch up strategies as well. That is coming to play because obviously there's a few times where we're questioning is that really what we want to go for or we sure we want to do those tires instead of the others i think even they were shocked about getting a one-two in qualifying because they just weren't even there in the free practice as well that's the thing they weren't battling the top you had a actual williams in <laughs> battling the top instead of the ferraris so to do that and then to wound up with a pole with a decent gap as well from Verstappen and p3 that was a quite a great thing to see. I know, obviously, Fosu was freaking out, thinking, oh, it's finally going to happen. Charles is going to finally convert it. And then the race actually happened. I don't know how he was able to get out of Mexico without any kind of problems. But looking back over, looking again, because I always look back to the previous data as well, we had podiums for both the sprint and the race last year for the Ferrari. We had a third and a fifth, and then for the sprint, and then a third and fourth for the, um, actual race i think it's possible for double points for both of them for both of the races if they can actually get the strategy into play and actually make the right calls obviously um again the different format for this sprint because previously it was two free practices to actually test and then go into the kind of sprint whereas obviously now it's only one and then qualifying for everything so it's a little bit of a different format and we'll definitely speak about it later on in this episode about the sprint races so i think they just need to get it on the mark, like on the mark straight away in that free practice because the park Ferme rules as well. If they're built for qualifying, they're not built. They're not going to be built for the sprint. They're not going to be built for the actual race as well. So it's going to go down to the team and how they do the right calls. But I'm confident that they will do very well this weekend coming. Do I think wins? Maybe not. Do I think polls? Probably not. But they will be definitely in the points and maybe battling a podium or two, maybe. 
Yeah, of course, there's two podiums on offer this weekend. We've been a sprint weekend, the last sprint weekend of the season. Ferrari obviously going in for second place in the constructors, but Mercedes trying to trying to keep their second place in the constructors as well, coming into the only race that they won last season uh, as well, Aaron. George Russell, of course, winning the sprint and the Grand Prix itself. Not going into this one in the best form, George Russell, but Lewis Hamilton. I think Toto came on the radio after the race saying, your driver's perfect today. We just got to give you a car that's good enough to win. Uh, I really do. I know, obviously, why he was disqualified in the US, but I still feel for the guy for getting disqualified. He's been in incredible form. I think he is a very good bet for at least a second place. And I say at least just in case, by some miracle, something happens to the guy that wins every race. Probably not, but I think he's the most likely to take advantage if something were to happen to Verstappen. I don't want to get everyone's hopes up, but Mercedes have actually won the last two races in Brazil because mm. Lewis came from last to win in 2021 via the sprint, of course. Honestly, it, it's going to be very difficult to see a Mercedes on the top step of the podium, but I agree there's a definite chance of at least a podium. I think McLaren will be pretty strong this weekend, so they're going to have direct competition in terms of power unit supply because obviously uh, McLaren have Mercedes power units. Like you say, Lewis is in sensational form. This is probably up there with one of his best seasons that's not won a world championship because he's only had six podiums. And I say only, that's quite a few podiums actually. But in the grand scheme of things, we're approaching round 20. So for a bloke like Lewis Hamilton, who's got like 200 podiums nearly, only six in one season is really not many. And obviously George Russell has not had such a good season. So he needs a pick me up. He needs to sort of recall that form from 2022 that took him to the front of the race in both the sprint and the Grand Prix and, and eventually to his only so far Grand Prix win. So these are two drivers that go well around Brazil. And we know Lewis loves being in Brazil. Obviously, Ant Senna was his hero. And they're both pretty good in the wet. And we've seen Rangers arrive out of nowhere to Lewis Hamilton's benefit in 2008. So he's got previous around Brazil in so many different ways. Don't be surprised if he's up there. That drive yesterday in Mexico was just superb. To make those medium tyres last and then deliver the fastest lap on the final lap, he's still got it. His overtake on Leclerc, just insert that iconic James Hunt quote here when he's doing his interviews. That's what that took. It was just He's still got it. He is still the man that Max Verstappen will fear the most. He is the Dumbledore to Verstappen's Voldemort, if you will. So it is just he. They look the looks those two gave him in the podcast booth yesterday after the race. Said it all. They looked at him and went, "He's still got it. He's still the man. He's still willing to put it all on the line. He's got nothing to lose now because." He's not the man with the target on his back. So look out for Lewis Hamilton this weekend. That That's my big tip for the weekend. Yeah, and, and I echo that as well. I Obviously, 15 years ago when he uh, won his first world championship in Brazil, the fans there were, let's just say, not with him. <laughs> but nowadays, especially since there's no Brazilian driver on the grid, he is almost like the home driver in Brazil. They love him. They absolutely love him there. Partly because of his admiration of Senna and partly because he's so bloody quick. 
and and that drive in 2021 as well like you said Aaron the whole weekend was just one of the best weekends I think in the history of Formula 1 to do what he did was just unbelievable it's going to take a small miracle for him to win this weekend but like I said if anything happens to Verstappen I think Hamilton is the hot favourite to be able to take advantage of him because of that but we shall see what happens and next up let's talk about Red Bull the guys that are very much on a high, or at least one of the drivers is very much on a high. How Max Stafford making it 16 wins for the season last time out in Mexico, Warren. Ah, Sergio Perez, though, I have to talk, because I wasn't on any of the shows for the, the qualifying or the race. I have to mention Sergio Perez. I know there was a bit of a debate in the race show yesterday where Tom Downey was asking whether people thought uh, it was a racing incident or it was Perez's fault for me. It was one million percent Perez's fault. There's two guys on his inside, but you've got acres of space. If you're going to blame Lewis Hamilton, if Hamilton's going to hold his hands up for that crash in Qatar, as he should do, then you have to blame Perez for what happened there. It was just... And again, I think Martin Brundle says you can't win the race in the first corner, but you can lose it. And he's absolutely lost the plot. And on top of that as well, you had Daniel Ricciardo putting in what I thought would be a performance to try and get the seat in 2025. But at this rate, you might get the seat in 2024. The pressure is very much on Checo coming into this weekend again. Yeah, no, I agree with that. It, it, he didn't he say that he had the two podiums the last he had podiums the last two years, so he was going for the win and turned like he wasn't going to beat Max anyways. It was just a he lost his head, and he could have just there was nowhere for him to go. Just drive on the grass, live the fight another day. He's got the fastest car out there. You could get second. It'll be a great story. But yeah, he's under so much pressure. Their rumors are fine. I saw a rumor about Fernando's going to go to Red Bull next year. Checo's going to Aston Martin. Everyone's throwing all these rumors out there with Checo. And I, do, I, I, I feel for the guy. Obviously, it's his home race. He also had basically a home race in Austin. That's it. Those are like dual home races. The amount of Mexicans that were there and Checo fans were there, it was almost a home race for him as well. So look, it stinks for him, but he's... I was, I know he has not had a great season. He has quite a poor season. But if he still manages to get P2 in the championship, and I know that's like the bed, the bar is at the floor when you say that. I still think it would be hard for them to justify taking him out of the seat because he is a good teammate. He doesn't qualify great, but he still gets the he got the job done of them wanting a one-two. And I'm not buying into the Ricardo hype. I will say he had a great race in Mexico. Don't get me wrong. But still, I'm not buying in that he would do a better job in the Red Bull than Checo would. And I think that, you know, like Red Bull is brutally honest when they talk about this stuff. And they've always been backing Checo on saying he's the driver for 2024. Now you can see a little wobble on that. But they've always been like, he's going to be there. He's going to be there. He's going to be there. So if he reaches his benchmarks at P2, I understand why they would move, but I still think it would be quite unjust if they did. And I hope he can rebound. I think he's a great, he seems like a great guy. And he's like the perfect teammate, I would say. He doesn't get in any trouble. He's not really going to fight Max for anything. He knows his role. And it's proven that he really can't contend for a world championship in that car. So he's basically, I think, the perfect teammate. Yeah, it'd be very interesting to see what Red Bull do. Obviously, yeah, it's a very hot seat, that second Red Bull seat. People think it's a cursed seat as well, and I can see why. It's very difficult. And I do take your point about Ricardo. I think any driver, you put any driver on the grid, you put a Hamilton or a, or a Norris. I think Norris actually allegedly got offered the second seat for Red Bull, but he turned him down. Again, I think it's the second time he's done that. You can put any driver in that second seat a long time, Max Verstappen. 
it's Max Verstappen's team. It's his car. It suits him. He knows that place inside out. He's been at Red Bull since 2016 or whatever it is now. So he's been there a very long time. So it, to compete against Verstappen is going to be... It, to beat Verstappen, I should say, in the same car is, is nigh on impossible. But still, some of the things that Perez has been doing has not been very confidence-inspiring. And Hamilton is quite close to him in the championship, only 20 points behind. Conceivably, he could catch him. But yeah, we'll see. Those are the 20 drivers and the 10 teams. Just going to have a few more discussion points now. I mentioned that this weekend is a sprint weekend as well. And this is the sixth sprint out of the six for this season. The third sprint in the last four races. It's very jam-packed at the end of the season for the sprint races. Um, what, what's your overall take on them, Sophia? Obviously, we've had some good sprints. We've had some okay sprints. Do you think they add anything to the weekend? Do you think we should scale it up perhaps for the next season? Because there's a lot of maybes around what's going to happen next year. Uh, there's so much to talk about. How much time do I have? Two minutes tops. <laughs> I think when they first introduced spin rates, I think it was a great opportunity to get more people involved to come to the Saturday races. I think it was a great kind of short-term battle. But again, some of the rules and kind of the discussions around it weren't set in stone until very close to the time. Obviously, now this time we have six this year. We also have six for next year. I think the fact that as well that we're doing, we just had a back-to-back with Qatar and then Austin a week off and then doing another sprint, I think it's way too close in the calendar to do that, especially when you're uh, doing it like in a big triple header where it takes a lot into the power units, a lot of pressure onto the actual machines itself. Towards the back of the season, we all have obviously the PU limits as well. I've been trying to research to see because a lot of them are getting close to the penalties. Some of them already have the penalties as well. So to introduce a sprint race, which puts more pressure on the car, Obviously, as well with the disqualifications, part of that people were saying is obviously because of how the car was set up because of the sprint race, obviously wearing down the floor because of park Ferme rules. So the question is, if we want to do sprint, what's going to happen into the rules? Obviously, tires as well, that comes into play with the allocations. Obviously, they did get some new ones. They tried to do the changes of how the sprint qualifying would work for the tire allocations. But again, a lot of it went into the air. I think... They should, and I, I mentioned a few times as well, they should follow F2 and F3 rules where they do a single qualifying and reverse grid that and then do the points that. I think that makes it a lot more interesting because right now this season we already know Max, besides obviously Oscar's win as well, like Max is more consistent racing in both the sprints and the actual race. However, putting some of these other contenders up at the front and also getting the well-needed points they need for their team and for their own championships where they might not have the opportunity to do it in a natural race also puts a lot of more excitement into it. When it comes to six sprint races, I think it might work, but again, it's where they put them. What they've done for these last three, I think is absolutely stupid in all honesty because it's too close to the end of the season. As well with the format of doing the free practice, we also have to put into play about the rookie testing as well that they have to do. So that even limits even more time these drivers have in the car to test any upgrades on top of a sprint weekend as well. They're literally cutting a third of opportunity down by doing a single free practice session on top of they have the rookie testing they have to do twice a year if they don't have a rookie on the grid to begin with. There's just a lot to play with and maybe separating it so it doesn't affect the championship might be the way to go do the reverse, change how the points allocation is. We don't know, but I, it helps with the Saturday. It gets more fans in, which I think is a great thing. But now it, I feel like it's too oversaturated. And even fans, obviously Christian Horner has complained about it. 
Toto's complained about it themselves as well. But it, it affects the drivers, it affects the engines, it affects the team. It's just too much on some of these heavy weekends. Double, triple headers as well. We'll see how it is. They've not announced which ones are the sprint races, I believe. They're still discussing it. They're trying to do the rules. No doubt we'll probably find out the week before first season and preseason testing will probably come into play, knowing the FIA, how Steph McCauley is running it. But I, I would love to do like an F2 and F3, do reverse. It makes it more interesting and all cards on the table for the drivers and the teams to actually do some really good racing for a short period stint on the Saturday. No, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I think they should absolutely do it the way that they're doing the in the sports series in the F2 and the F3. But they won't. They absolutely won't. No way. No way. That that they would never do that. It's pure. It's just you'd have all the top teams complaining about it and it'd just never get through. Simple as that. Ferrari would veto it or something, even if they tried to get it through, which they wouldn't try. But yeah, there we go. And just for speaking from a media perspective as well, it it just makes it so hard. We've had so many shows recently, which don't get me wrong, I love doing these shows, but. Imagine actually going to the races themselves. Imagine being the people. Like, I rem- I grew up and I when I was growing up, I, my dream job was to be an F1 F1 reporter at every race. Now, I honestly couldn't think of much of a worse job because <laughs> you'd be away for so long and it's so much effort. I'm sure the people who do it love it, of course, but it is such an effort. And then you with the mechanics and everything on top of that, the, the lengths they're having to go to in this end of the, ra- end of the season is just something else. And I think... Yeah, I think they should definitely spread out the sprint races, not our three and four races like we've had recently. Um, Can I say something about the sprint race? Of course, yeah, go for it. Because I, I was at Austin for a sprint, sprint race weekend, and I'm going to be honest, for the fan, it's amazing. I don't think I could go to another, depending where the tracks are, it would be hard for me to convince if I'm just getting a normal ticket and not say I got lucky with some hospitality. It would be hard for me to convince to buy a ticket for... A, a three-day pass to go to a, a circuit that doesn't have a, spr- a sprint because the practice while it is nice you're really just you're just seeing them do laps and that for a fan is quite boring to watch in person because there's not a lot of action going on they don't really they don't pass you there's all that stuff but when you get the sprint weekend you can go on friday see the practice if you want you get qualifying you can even skip the sprint qualifying on saturday because you already saw it before if it's 95 degrees which someone might have done on saturday because they don't want to sit outside in the Aussie. but then you get two two races and i know the sprint race is boring and it gives you it gives away a lot for the race the floor race that's why i think they should just say hey park Ferme should just be for the qualifying you set up the car for qualifying and this might be too hard this could be me talking out of i don't know what i'm talking about but can't they set up the car differently on Saturday? Let that just be, it's already a standalone day to begin with the qualifying and the race. Let them change the car to make it more interesting. They figured out what they had on Friday and Saturday. It should be a totally different setup if they want it to Sunday. That would at least make it more interesting and doesn't tip a hand. You could try something out. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Great. Go back to what the car was on Friday. So that could be something there because it gives it away. But from a fan perspective, the sprint race is, if you're going to one, look at the sprint weekends and where it is because it is great. It's There's basically action every single session. And as you said, it's for the fans on TV. It could get boring. But if you're buying the ticket, it is, from first-hand experience, it's great. It, it it's, it's awesome. No, that, that, that's an interesting point you've mentioned there, Warren. And I actually think that's a very good idea as well, taking the cars out of Park Fermi just for the Saturday, just going for something just pure race pace or whatever. I would like to see that. That'd be very interesting. The worst that could happen is it just be the same as what it would be anyway. Let's give it a go. Why not? 
And um, I, you know, I'm always up to hearing your guys' suggestions as well. Head over to our socials at Grid Talk UK. You can find us anywhere where there's the at symbol, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Threads, TikTok. We're on all of those. You can hit us up in any of those anytime. And Aaron, just quickly as well, I did mention, obviously we've mentioned some of the history of Brazil. We have on some winning his first championship there, but how special of a race is this? And despite what Helmut Marco may say, this is the only Formula One race in South America. So that makes it very unique as well. And it's a, and it's an awesome track. I love it. It's one of those circuits that mixes the classic old schoolness of the Formula One heritage with sort of the modern day need for action all the time and the atmosphere, and it blends them together beautifully. And you've got this wonderful setting. It's on a hill, and if you're in a good position, you can probably see a majority of the track. In the background, you can see downtown Sao Paulo. It's named after literally its location between lakes, Interlagos in Portuguese. So you get this wonderful aura around the circuit. The first few corners are technically challenging. They're going downhill. The car is diving. It's a great overtaking opportunity, grip across the circuit. But think about it in historical terms as well. Brazil has given Formula One so much. It's given them world champions, whether you like them or not, in some cases, they've given us world champions. And honestly, they've given us one of the greatest ever in Ayrton Senna. And obviously, they go in their droves and they still chant his name. The Saba beat still goes and they still shout out Senna's name. They've adopted Lewis Hamilton. And when they've got a Brazilian driver, they are absolutely partisan. Could you imagine if, let's say, Lance Stroll was poorly this weekend and Felipe Drogovic got the chance to be in the car. What a buzz, not just for him, but for the paying fans. They would see a Brazilian driver on the circuit. They love that. They bring the energy and that energy seeps onto the track. And it just, there's always something happening in Brazil. Like last year, we had a brilliant spring and Grand Prix weekend with a, with a new winner. The year before, we had Hamilton's charge and his duel with Verstappen. Obviously, they didn't go in 2020. 2019 was an absolutely bonkers race where Verstappen uh, nicked it with a few laps to go and Gasly got on the podium. Hamilton then got denied a podium because he punted Albon out, gave signs a podium. 2018, Ocon took out Verstappen when he was in the lead. Need I go on? 2008, <laughs> I can't sell this race anymore. <laughs> it's just, this is a massive advert for the Brazilian Grand Prix. Do what you will with it. Sponsor this section up with some Brazilian sponsors because this is this could be the race of the season. No pressure then. <laughs> now going to be the dampest squib race. No, don't say, don't, no, don't say that. Don't say that. I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm so glad Brazil's continuing on the calendar as well because I remember it wasn't a threat for a while. And there was rumours about us going to a what looked like a car park in Rio de Janeiro. But thankfully, Interlagos is here and it's here to stay as well. And long may that continue. And let's get into our predictions for this weekend. I want predictions for pole position, the sprint winner, top three in the actual race, and a bold prediction if it's not already covered by those. Warren, do you want to start us off with that? Yeah, I'll say I'll say three in a row poles for Charles Leclerc. I Look, the Ferrari is, as we said, sets up for qualifying. They don't really care about the race, which is a bold strategy, but they like the qualifying. So he'll get pole. Sprint winner, 
I will say, I'll say Lewis next to Sprint. He's due for something. He's been great, as we said, great form. And then the top three, I'll say it's going to be Max wins on Sunday. Shocker. Then it will be Lando gets gets back on the podium. And I'll say that Carlos signs. Aaron, something nice I've said about Carlos signs. You don't really hear it from me that much. He'll nick a a podium as well somehow in the uh in, in the race. And my bold prediction, I will say that Williams will score probably they'll score more than one point this weekend. I like that. I like those good so good sub- predictions there, Warren. Sophia, same to you. A bit similar to Warren, I think. I definitely do also think Charles will take pole. I think for the sprint, you know oh because I feel like this might be a bold, but I, I got a better bold. I think Perez might take the win in the sprint. <laughs> I don't consider it for the bet. But for the actual race, this is where I think my bold will more come in. I think Charles will win the race. He will finally convert the pole to a win. If he made, he's already 11 consecutive poles to not win. And then also in his career, 20 poles and not have won. I think it's about time, at a, as we mentioned, at a historical track where anything could happen. Why not? So I think he will win. I think in P2 will be Lewis. And then I think in P3, which goes behind on what I said before about Ferrari, but I think Lionel Norris might take P3 instead of the Ferraris. Again, that might be another... We'll see. You just... I hope that comes true because then I don't have to order that sombrero. Aaron, what are you saying? Are you, are you backing Paris for a win this weekend? Absolutely no chance of that. <laughs> Sophia, what have you been drinking this week? Does it count? Because it's a sprint. It's a sprint no, actually win now. No, we spoke about this. It does count. Tom Downey said it counts, and that's all I need to know. And Tom <laughs> Morris, when we brought no Tom Morris, when we brought that up, he said he accepted it. It's all good. All right. Okay. <laughs> Pole position. I'm going Lando Norris. Lando, he, he was excellent yesterday in Mexico and He's had the pace. He probably would have been on the front row had he got qualifying right in Mexico. So I'm going to go with Lando for pole position on on uh, Friday. Sprint winner, uh, Verstappen, unfortunately. And then uh, my top three will be Verstappen, Norris, Hamilton. But my bold prediction is that Lando Norris wins his first race. I, I don't know what I want to happen more. Norris winning his first race or Perez winning a race this season. <laughs> These are incredible predictions. I wasn't going to do mine, but I will do. Let's say I'll go for Charles Leclerc for pole. I'll go for sprint win. I'll go Checo Perez. I'm not the first to say it on this podcast, so I'm not by myself on this one. The I'll go for the Grand Prix win. Really hard to look past Verstappen. He really is for off across the race distance. But I'll go for Carlos Sainz for an outside bet for second. He does well in Brazil. He's had, had a few good results here over the years. And third place, I'll stick on... I really want to stick Lando Norris on the podium, but Hamilton's in too good form. I'll go for Hamilton for third. It's going to be a really good race this weekend, though. I really do feel that. And yeah, if you want to hear more from our panellists, time to plug our outlets. Sophia, I mentioned that you are part of Formula Talk. What is that, and where can people find it? Yeah, so... All right, it's our sister show. I host with Tom Downey most of the time, but obviously we've had some great guests over this season so far. So we pretty much talk about anything that's not F1. We just finished our F1 Academy review. We've been talking a bit about IndyCar, Formula 2, Formula 3. We are going to do a Macau special as well because there's a lot of drivers in Formula 2 and Formula 3 that will be racing for the 70th anniversary for that. 
So we'll be discussing that and obviously some IndyCar news. You can find us where you listen to Grid Talk, where, as mentioned, it's on a sister show. You can also find me with Everything F1. I do articles, again, for F2 and F3 kind of base, and that is at JoinEF1 on all social media or the website, which is www.everythingf1.com as well. Yeah, and on top of that, the Abu Dhabi uh, round of F2 will be happening soon as well in just perhaps three weeks' time, I think, something like three, four weeks' time. Warren, I've mentioned that you are one half of Paddock Pals. What is that and where can people find it? It's my cousin Rachel and I do a little podcast. You can find it where you listen to your podcast at Paddock Pals on the socials, TikTok as well. If you want to hear how we, our, our time was in Austin, who we met, we met the Williams. She met James Vows. I met Jensen Button. We got a picture of Jensen Button. You can hear about that, how the how our experience was in Austin. If you're interested in going to the race, we gave out some tips or stuff that we would do or what we thought of that whole thing. So yeah, we're on the socials as well. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Paddock Pals Podcast. That's where you can find us. And we'll be doing our Mexico recap. That'll be out later tonight or I guess tomorrow for everybody out there. Yeah, definitely go t- check out those shows. It'd be fascinating listening going over. I was on Coaster this last week and 440,000 people went this week and then two of them were the Paddock Pals. Aaron, I've mentioned that you are the man behind AHGP. What is that and where can people find it? According to my description on YouTube, I play F1 manager to show Ferrari that it isn't as hard as it looks. And uh, I'm doing that with Mercedes. And uh, yeah, depending on when this goes out, this week's videos are... Season two in Zandvoort, season two in Italy, and season two in Baku. The title race is heating up in that series. And uh, yeah, basically I show you that it's not really that difficult to manage an F1 team, is it, Ferrari? Yeah, Aaron is a Mercedes fan, as you may be able to tell uh, from some of these remarks in the show. (laughs) And if you want to hear more from us, Grid Talk is available on YouTube, where most of the episodes are recorded live. Not this one, this is a preview show, as well as Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, and Pocket Casts. Just search for Pokemon on Grid Talk on all of those. And you can check out our big catalog of shows. Heading up to 350 episodes soon. We will pass that in the Las Vegas weekend, I believe. And yeah, you can head over to our Patreon as well if you want to support us financially so we can get better lights, mics, and recording equipment. And yeah, also head over to our YouTube channel to make sure you are the first one that subscribed to to hear when these episodes go live. Over 2,000 subscribers on that now, which is fantastic. And we will be back on Friday, 8 p.m. UK time. That's 4 p.m. Eastern. The clocks haven't gone back for America yet, so it's four hours difference for the moment. But yeah, we're back at that time on Friday to analyze qualifying for the Brazilian Grand Prix. Thank you very much for listening to the Grid Talk podcast presented by Bet Online, and goodbye.